You're listening to a Corridor Business Journal podcast. This is Tom Selig. I'm a senior vice president of a bank. I used to be a lawyer. I like to make connections, and sometimes amazing things happen. That's what this podcast is about, when the magic happens. On today's episode, my guest is Jan Jensen, one of my old best friends and now my new best friend. Jan is officially the associate head basketball coach at the University of Iowa, but also has a record of being a person who has made a difference in our community through her volunteer and leadership and is a a great coach and a great person. And that's the thing as a coach that always uh, tugs at my heart is you have your stars, but it's really the people at the end of the bench that are making you really good because they're, they're doing everything the star's doing and they're never getting their name in the newspaper and they are support, support, support. And that I think is the beauty of a team. So stick around, we'll be right back. This episode of Tom's New Best Friend is brought to you by West Bank, a community bank since 1893, providing full-service banking and trust services to businesses and consumers, nationally recognized by Raymond James as a top-performing community bank, prioritizing community, responsive to local needs. West Bank, member FDIC. Well, welcome. My new best friend today is Jan Jensen from the Iowa basketball staff and a community leader. And uh, she's a person who's made a difference both in the um, basketball program and in our community. Welcome, Jan. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm very honored to have risen up the ranks on your best friend ladder. <laughs> well, so you know, I've it, made it now. I've made it. It's a moving target. You know, your best friend today, <laughs> but you know, next week you could be down the list. That, that that's my job. You know, I'm everybody's best friend when we win. When we lose, we move down the list. That's right. <laughs> well, it's hard to know how why you're uh, sort of well liked and famous. Obviously, basketball is one reason, but also your involvement in the community, the United Way, and things you've done, and some you clearly have made a difference. So I'm curious as we talk today about how you manage your life. I mean, this basketball I assume takes quite a bit of time. You recruit. You've got a family. You, a, you have a teenager, right? Yes. Yes. We just had a teenage moment on the way to school, too. So those are, yeah, balancing. Today, I don't know if that's the best time to ask me how well I'm doing. If you're a parent, as you were, of teenagers, that's that's a moving target as well. That's true. So. And also, you're involved in the community. So well, I, I want to just start at the beginning. You're from Kimbleton, Iowa? Yes, Kimbleton, I'm, Iowa. I've never been there. Where is it? It's um, on the way to Omaha, straight, straight down 80, and it's a about nine miles off 80. There's another town, Elkhorn Kimbleton, mm-hmm. and that was the name of my high school. Now they've consolidated and include Exira. Uh, but it's a just a beautiful, picturesque farm community, rolling hills of Danish descent. A lot of Danes over there. I'm, I'm Danish. Elkhorn has um, a windmill. When I was a youngster, they actually ground flour. It was uh, shipped over piece by piece from Denmark, and they made the niche, um, kind of the little Denmark in that area. My town, three miles away, but it's very important. If you're from Kimbleton or Elkhorn, that is still very important. But my town had a replica of the mermaid that is sits in Copenhagen's harbor. And uh, so they used to have a lot of little shops. Um, they still have a... Uh, Yule Fest, which is um, the first weekend in December, where they have Danish 
delights and food mm. and um, little crafts and so forth. Um, small towns, they're dwindling, uh, but they're uh, they're they're trying to to keep that that alive and and uh, they're. I think they're doing a pretty good job of it. Are your parents still there? My dad is. Sadly, my mother passed away about six years ago. My dad uh, was a farmer in that area, but he now lives in in town and um, doing well. And my sadly, my brother he was a big community guy for Kimbleton. Um, he owned a bar. It was called Arnold's. His he's a pretty big guy. It and he changed the name to Luggers, but it was a mainstay, and you could get food there too. But he passed away a little over a year ago of us of a heart attack. Wow. So that was a big loss for for the town, obviously for our family. Me personally, he he and my mother were my biggest fans. I could, you know, I could have a terrible <laughs> game, but they well, my my brother my brother would critique me, but at the end of the day, he was a, a big fan. But he did a lot for that community, a pretty big presence. But his daughter is now taking over, trying to run that that business. So. If you're any listeners, if you're ever in Kimbleton, stop by uh, Luggers. Luggers. And uh, say say you know me, and the the drink will be on the house. <laughs> I, I I remember I probably that. have a big a big bar tab there, but I'm 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 good for it. <laughs> uh, is it close to interstate? Yeah, it's only uh, seven seven nine miles off the in, oh, interstate, good. and you can easily get back on. It's yeah. uh, Highway 44 runs right through it. I remember that. Yeah. Okay, well, from there, I guess you played a little basketball in high school. Uh, just, just a little bit. Did well. Yeah, we did. We, we had a really had a really blessed upbringing and had a great high school coach, great teammates, and we, we made it to the state tournament. It didn't win state, but um, had a really fun run. So you must have scored a lot of points. I, I, I guess I never met a shot I didn't like, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> well, then you go to Drake and have a great career at Drake, right? Yeah, definitely. Special had a, place? Really. Drake is a great place. I feel like I've gotten to go to school and work at two of the best universities in the country, let alone the state. And I, my memory is you were the leading scorer in the country at Drake? I was, yes. Right? Yep, sure was. And that that was my senior year and where I played for Lisa Bluter. And her system that you see now, we like to score a lot of points. We like to play fast. And she's always been like that. So that, that system always kind of benefits a, a shooter or scorer. So back in the early 90s that that suit me pretty well too now i think i read somewhere that you're the one of the few people you're leading score in high school in the state and then leading score in the yeah. NCAA too it's one of those little random factoids oh, that's that, pretty impressive yeah it's kind of it is kind yeah. of what i think is impressive about that is um i really had great teammates and great experiences and now when you look at youth sports, if someone's going to score that many points, there can be so much that can go wrong with that. Everybody's jockeying for a scholarship. They're sure. jockeying for stardom and so forth. And I was just so blessed that um, I played that six-on-six six style of basketball in high school. And that was kind of my role, right? There were there were forwards, which were the shooters, and there were defenders, which were called the guards. Sure. I remember and, the good old days. Right? So the guards, they were never interested in scoring points. And when I came through, I was kind of on the tail end of it. There was usually that one prolific scorer, and I was lucky enough to, to be that role. But I, you know, everything kind of ran through my my shooting ability, and there wasn't um, – it wasn't any animosities, right? Because now when I'm a coach, I'm very keen on that, right? I'm watching parents in the stands when I'm recruiting. I'm watching kids' attitudes. <laughs> <Right>. And <clears throat> what we would love to have on our teams is um, now currently at Iowa, always five people and double-digit scoring. And so I think back on, you know, the systems, and I was really, really fortunate. And 
everybody kind of bought into the philosophy and I was the lucky one that just, you know, got to shoot it a lot. <laughs> well, then after graduation, you went, I think you went to Europe, played mm-hmm. basketball there in Germany. And yep. Had a great time. Had a time over there. That must've been a great experience. Oh, it was awesome. And our team ended up winning the German cup, mm-hmm. which was awesome because, uh, at the end of that, at that time, I don't know if things have changed with germs and whatnot, certainly now with COVID, but when we won the cup, they, they average a lot of fans. There's probably five, 6,000 fans. We got the silver cup and right away they filled it with champagne. And so we <laughs> as a team took the drink out of it, but then that thing just kept going around the floor. I've never seen anything <laughs> like it. I wish we would have had phones then. Yeah. I have a still shot of the, of the moment. But that is one thing I would have probably, you see all the people now videotaping those situations, but I just, even then I couldn't get over it. All these people were slopping out of the same silver cup, you know, but it was a memory. It was definitely a memory. And then from there, you did come back to Iowa. Is that when you came back to coaching? Yeah. Lisa, actually, I kind of feel like I'm the accidental coach. There's that movie, The Accidental Tourist. Mm -hmm. I came back and I was going to be a GA for her at Drake. And I really wanted to get my master's, and I had a huge influence in my life, was the dean of students and the vice president of Drake. And um, I wanted to be either dean of students, and my ultimate goal, I wanted to be a president of a small liberal arts college. So I wanted to get my uh, degree, which I did get in higher education. But um, in route to that plan, when I came to be a GA, Lisa lost a full-time, full-time coach right after I came back from Europe. I stopped playing because I felt like I, I'd taken it as far as I could go. I cut down a net. We became the champions right. of the German Cup. So I was ready to do, I thought it'd be fun to be a GA coach, get my degree. Well, then she wasn't really happy with the full-time pool of candidates. And um, she thought, well, heck, I'll just, you know, if you're interested, I'll just hire you full-time. So I was really fortunate. I became a full-time coach without having to go through the GA ranks and, um, then I fell in love with it, and 29 years later, I, I didn't quite become that college president, but here here I am. Well, I know you you look young, but I know you're old because you're in the Hall of Fame of the <laughs> Iowa Girls High School Athletic Association, yes, right? Yes. Hall I'm, of Famer. I, I am a Hall of Famer. <laughs> I, I paid off a lot of people for those awards, Tom. Anybody <laughs> can be a Hall of Famer if you pay enough money. <laughs> well, good. We should, I want to talk about Iowa basketball some, but let's talk about your involvement with like United Way and the community uh, You've been a leader there and led the fund drive. And tell us your, your background and your interest and your passion for all that. Well, I, you know, I think I, I just feel so blessed. I grew up with tremendous parents. And when you grow up in a farm community, you're quick to help each other. If a farmer was sick, you the, all the farmers from miles around would come and harvest, right? If he got a bad disease or he had to get to the hospital. Sure. So everybody was always helping. Um, my church... Uh, my mom was very involved in a church circle. She was the church organist for 40 years. So there was always um, a, just a sense of, of doing, doing what's right to help. Uh, the circle was always helping folks that, you know, were down on their luck or didn't maybe have the economic backgrounds that, you know, certainly none of the farmers were real wealthy. But I think that was just ingrained in me. And I had tremendous influence of grandmothers where, we just knew how blessed we were, uh, what we have. And if anybody needed anything, that's kind of how we operated. So then when I went through, and I think I was always kind of an old soul in the sense of I enjoyed my high school career, stardom, if you will, in college. 
I was always in awe of it. I never, I always kind of pinched myself daily, like, is this really me? Am I getting to do this? When I got recruited, when all the colleges came to offer me scholarships, I mean, I wasn't ever, I'm thankful. I just had a spirit of humility, uh, probably how I was raised, but I was never arrogant about that or just like, oh, look at, I've worked so hard. I've gotten all this. I was so grateful. And as I progressed through my life, I think that sense of gratitude um, has always uh, propelled me to want to share what I have, but also try to make a positive difference. So stepping up when the United Way helped or the local shelter house here, um, that wasn't ever um, to check it off to be on my resume. Mm -hmm. I think it was just kind of part of my DNA, and I'm, I'm really thankful for my, my parents for that. Because when you work at Iowa, um, there's obviously we live in a sports town, but it's never been lost on me that a lot of times, whether it's little kids or avid fans, uh, it, they simply are excited or proud to know me, if you will, but it's really the role and the position I hold. I mean, I'm, I'm you know, you, that old adage, you put your hand in a, a pail of water, you splash it around, you make a lot of, mm -hmm. lot of excitement, but you pull that hand out, that's about the difference you're going to make when, when you're gone. Right. So I just feel, you know, if, if I can, when people call, hey, can you help us get an autograph? Can you visit someone in the hospital? I mean, it's, it's basically because I get to wear Hawkeye across my, my chest, right? And I'm, I'm thankful that I'm able to, to do that. But given back, man, people show up to watch us in Carver, and certainly they do at Kinnick when COVID's over. Hopefully everybody will come back. But uh, for me to give back when people give so much to us, it's, it's a no-brainer. Well, you've always been generous with your time, and also you're a great speaker. Every time we do an event, they always want you to speak. So it's, um, it's both uh, your time well, and the quality of things that you do and you say. So thanks. we should mention here about the Quarter Business Journal. You've been recognized by that group through the – 40 under 40, a woman of influence. So, uh, again, it reflects your, what you've done in the corridor to, to make a difference, and, and congratulations. Thank you. I, I've got to ask you about balancing your life. I mean, I'm, you're a coach, which takes time. The, you know, there's some, when I read the stuff, they talk about recruiting. You recruit a lot. Yeah. Um, you're on the road. Uh, mm -hmm. You have a family. You have two children, and you've been very active in the community. So, do you have any advice for all of us? I mean, just sort of in that balancing act, how, how do you manage that? Well, I think you have to have a great spouse. And I always tell people my spouse is Julie Fitzpatrick. And if, if you find a Julie, you, that would be really helpful. But I'm, I'm, the, I'm the lucky one. I, I have the one. But I think uh, anybody that is succeeding in their chosen endeavor is you have to have a teammate. Mm -hmm. And um, really, Julie does so much to kind of hold down all of the you know, the fort, I mean, because so much goes into signing up for track, signing up for a basketball camp, you know, making sure we have everything ready for, for school. And so those things, um, you got to have someone that's, that's keeping it afloat. But I think everybody is, you're prioritizing, but I think there's a, a real realistic um, approach. When I was really young, going to seminars about you know, speakers and how to be a good coach, or I read, I still try to read a lot of books. One thing I learned is you can't have it all. And I, that really struck me when I was young. Like you cannot have it all. So you need to pick what you want, want to have. 
And sometimes, you know, the newspapers or the ads or the movies, it seems like you can, you know, be beautiful and you can be successful and have a yacht and have this beautiful family <laughs> and like you're just doing and but you you can't have that all. So you kind of have to pick three things that you want to try to really be successful at. And um, so, you know, my faith, my, my faith always has driven me, but my family and my job and then the community. Right. And so you're constantly trying to, to balance that. And, and I feel like I fail so often, right? I, at the end of the day, I'm like, oh, I was at the work too much, or I should have played outside more, or man, I was too hard on the kids. The expectations are too high. I mean, you're constantly uh, critiquing your, your, yourself, but um, I think if your heart's in the right place and you give yourself grace and uh, if you surround yourself with people who also give you grace, uh, you can you can make it through. Um, but I, I, I do know that I'm so blessed. My family is you know, my most important thing. And uh, I just, and my work family, boy, I, I got the best of both, both worlds. And Lisa Bluter, her being a mom as well. I think when you're fortunate and you have someone that, also prioritizes similarly sometimes when you need to get to that dance recital you know you can massage a practice a little right. bit yep. right or yep. you want to see the track meet is like can we move up practice 30 minutes and when you have that type of collaboration uh it works a little bit a little bit better so i got a great great team around me oh, great well it's it's impressive what, what you do and continue to do so i've got to ask you about getting back on this recruiting the, the story is that you're you're the associate head coach, but you're sort of maybe the way you call the lead recruiter, which means you're out a lot. Mm -hmm. I've sort of become a Caitlin Clark fan, like everybody <laughs> has, and uh, easy to do, huh? And the uh, and the question always was uh, when I talked to my friends, I uh, Caitlin, I think was a, what they call a five star recruit, mm -hmm. which may be the first male or female basketball player ever to come to Iowa as a five star recruit. And then we say, well, why did she come to Iowa? Mm -hmm. I mean, she's from Des Moines, but that's that's a plus, but. Mm -hmm. Yes, she had options to go any place, including Notre Dame. Yeah, I think, um, you know, a lot of the top, top talent, men and women, they typically choose blue bloods, right? Right. And uh, for us, the blue bloods are University of Connecticut, uh, Notre Dame, uh, Stanford's. Um, those guys usually, they kind of fight usually for those top five, certainly the top five players in the country, which Caitlin was. Um, Caitlin is just one that, she really first time in a long time thought outside the box and really was like, you know, I, I really like Iowa. But anyway, the, the story on the, on the message boards mm -hmm. is that when she was three, you started to recruit her. I mean, I'm exaggerating, <laughs> but this is Three's, not, you didn't decide her soon. You know, oh, she's pretty good with recruiter. No, this goes, no. you spent some time in the summers and I mean, is that, yeah. I mean, well, yeah, it's, she's it's, one of the youngest, but yeah. they're, you're starting now. Yeah. I mean, I heard about her name probably sixth, seventh grade. Yeah. And then um, I went, usually the game is changing. I mean, there's too much happening with that, the fifth, sixth grade now. Sure. But so three or four or five years ago, hearing a name, you didn't hear as many of them. I, I will say that, but said, hey, you've seen this Clark kid. So we chose to go watch that young team. Just, to, it was at, it was at Ames. I just chose to go over and, I mean, it was easy to see that she was, she was talented she was little, but that was one where we got to, we're going to go all out on this one. And so met with Lisa and I said, this is, I just knew this was going to be a marathon. And just to play that one, um, 
we just made a call early to her parents and just said, hey, she's extremely talented. I've been doing this 26 years. Um, she's, you're going to hear from a lot of people, but we were here. Remember this phone call? We were here. Right. And then mm. we just kind of like the tortoise and the hare, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of stayed steady, stayed steady through all those years. And I think it was helpful that we called early, but then we didn't overcall. There's so many ways to recruit, right? You can be incessant and be in people's faces and be creative and who the people you can legally send things to. There's a lot of rules, but you can create uh, all kinds of little things on your phone now, little cool graphics and send (laughs) it to the high school coach, send it to the grandparent or whoever. So we just stayed pretty real and and that's kind of always been our recruiting philosophy. But I think the consistency of, it was about a five, five plus year recruitment of her. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah, before we go talk about Kaylin, some more, let's go back to Megan Gefsison, who mm-hmm. came from some small town in northern Wisconsin. Yeah. Fort Wing, Fort <laughs> Wing, Wisconsin. Did they have a stoplight there? Uh, I don't think they had a stoplight. They had yeah. a stop sign. Stop sign. <laughs> Maybe. But when, but she was not a five-star recruiter, is that no. right? No, but she it's was. the same that you, you recruited her. Yeah, and she was, that was one you could see pretty, pretty easily, too. I, I saw, I just it's hard to track the whole country, but you'll kind of look at stats. And I, I look at stats, who's scoring a lot of points. And there's a lot of people that score a lot of points. But you can be at a really small, like she was, a really small, low class in a, a state where there's not a lot of competition. Sure. And so mm-hmm. you're scoring points, but there's nobody playing against you. But I saw she was scoring a lot of points. And uh, so I sent her a letter because I thought, boy. And she was, you know, decently tall, mm-hmm. 6'1 at the time. And then we had to go to the Wisconsin State Tournament for another player. So Jenny Fitzgerald, who's on our staff, I said, make sure you go see that that center because I think she's pretty good from what I've seen in videos and stats. And then we'll really track her this summer. So Fitz was up there, and she called immediately. She's like, yeah, she's, she's pretty good. She runs really well, and she's, I, I, I think she's legit. Well, then when we watch her this summer, boy, you could – you, you were just my kind of kid. Like, I work with the bigs and any position. She just worked hard, had a humble spirit, mm-hmm. and um, for a center, beautiful hands. And she didn't miss very much. So everybody always asked me, they're like, well, did you know she was going to be National Player of the Year? And I said, well, right. no. I didn't know that. <laughs> but I did believe, I knew she'd be all Big Ten, just because what she possessed at that point was um, men or women she just had an uncanny ability to kind of know where that ball was and a real soft touch. And then the most amazing thing happens when you finally get them in your office and get them on the court is um, their motor, like her desire to be good and great. You, you know, this, this coffee cup I'm holding could coach Megan, right? She just was like, she just was hungry and you're, I want to go, I want to work hard and, I've, I don't think I'll ever see as hard a worker mm-hmm. as Megan. I think we better get close, but she, she set a bar that I had not seen in my career, and, and she was truly a joy, truly a joy. I, I'm, I would say to anybody with kids every age now, if she's ever back in Iowa City and you can meet her, have your kid meet her, you should do it right. because she is one of God's finest people. Well, that's the key thing in, in recruiting players at Iowa. It's, it's the quality of the person. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not exaggerating. These are uh, 
lot besides right. the stars. Mm-hmm. The, Absolutely. The story in your team is they're all quality people. And they have to fit in. They have to be together, and it's um, yeah. it's it's impressive. That's why they're successful, I guess. They yeah. yeah I really we have a. It's more than just basketball. It, it is more than basketball, and you know, if you coach a team, you always have about seven people real happy, right? Because they're playing a lot. Then you have two or three that are kind of wish they were playing, but then you have the kids at the end of the bench that. That's that's a harder deal. They never get in, but every day in practice, they're busting their rear end too. And that's the thing as a coach that always uh, tugs at my heart is you have your stars, but it's really the people at the end of the bench that are making you really good mm-hmm. because they're they're doing everything the star's doing, and they're never getting their name in the newspaper, and they are support, support, support. And that, I think, is the beauty of a team is when you can get people to buy in to whatever role you ask them. Because when you're really successful, my philosophy is when we have our best teams, we get every player to buy into their role. And for a lot of them, it's a role they wish they did not have to play. I mean, because wouldn't everybody want to be Megan or Caitlin Carter? Sure, yeah. Everybody wants to be them. Yeah. No one wants to be the one that certainly never gets in, right? But everybody knows once you hit it, and it takes you a while to hit it some years as a coach because everybody, you're asking them to compete like crazy because the only way you get really good is if everybody is really pushing Megan or pushing Caitlin. Mm-hmm. But then at the point where you got to settle on your rotations, now you got to say, keep pushing, but you're never getting in, right? Right. That, that's, <laughs> a hard, that's a hard thing to, to balance. So I credit the young women that we, we have because they are pretty doggone selfless. And then they, they can settle. Um, and I, I also, you know, am proud of our philosophy, what we, we try to, you know, talk about when we're in our selling of the recruiting process is that, is that you're, you're coming here to be a part of it. We're, even if you're Caitlin Clark, we never say you're going to be it. Now, the stats will show that, yeah, she's probably pretty good bet she'd be it, right? But we need people to think part of it not to be it. And if they come and they can buy into that, uh, and I think that's the making of any successful team. Um, certainly there's going to be stars that shine at a West Bank or stars that shine at a um, you know, a sure. realty firm or whatever, but to really keep that, that thing going. And, and one, one thing we're really big on, Tom, is um, we have uh, values that we live by, we share with parents and we have them up in our locker room so the, the players can see them every every day. And they may not always track it, but what they're seeing, one of the values we have is everyone matters. And and I think you everybody needs to feel like they're valued. And I, I feel that's even a bigger, that's huge for the success of a team. But I think for society, what we're seeing in so many sad, sad situations right now socially is, people aren't feeling like they matter. You know, we're not feeling like they're, they're valued. And if we can be a positive influence as coaches to make sure that all the women in our team know that they're valued and they matter for whatever role they play, but even off of it, for who they are as a young woman. Sure. Um, if we can be a positive impact in that, then we have, we have done our jobs that really far surpasses cutting down the national championship net, in my opinion. Well, that's the story of Iowa women's basketball, the quality of the people you brought in here and how they've performed and acted and their well, life, life skills. It's really impressive. I've got three final things to sort of cover here. One okay. is um, 
I guess we'll go back to Kaylin just generally. Mm-hmm. Uh, she comes here, obviously, you know, is the leading scorer in the country. Mm-hmm. I think number two in assists. Clearly, the, the star in that thing. The question is, how do you, how does she manage her life? Mm-hmm. How do you manage her? I mean, I mean, I'm just sense that for her, it must be she's a high school mm-hmm. senior suddenly doing this and doing well, but it's a, it's a long season and. And does she get worn out or does she get off course or do you guys get, I mean, her teammate, how, how does all that work? Is it, yeah, is well, it hard? Or? Yeah, yeah, I think it is hard, but uh, Caitlin is, Caitlin's special. I, I, we've coached a lot of people. She's, she's rare. Megan was rare in a certain way and Caitlin is rare in a whole nother way. Caitlin is wired for this. Caitlin is wired for showtime. She is wired for pressure she came here and she said, I came here because I want to do something here that no one's done for a long time. I want to go to the final four. Mm-hmm. So she's not, I mean, a lot of people are like, right. oh, shucks. Well, I'm hope <laughs> I'm going to do well. I like Iowa, but she's like, no, this is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. This is why I'm coming here. So she's not afraid to put it out there. Right. Sure. Um, Caitlin is, um, you, you want to refine her sometimes, but never tame her. Because she's got a swag and yeah. she's got a confidence that really a lot of people wish they had, right? right? Because she just is like, if she doesn't like something, she's like, that was a terrible call. Where sometimes you want to be like, well, let's tone that down. Mm-hmm. But she's very impassionate and you know exactly where she stands. And I, I really appreciate that. And she is able to get the people around her, I think, to start believing, hey, we can do, do this. Now, sometimes with Caitlin, she can be a little bit more direct, than some people on the team are, are used to. So Caitlin knows that she's got to grow a little bit in, in some of those things too. Sure. Um, but really, when you know, if you get a chance to talk to Caitlin, her heart is really great. Um, she's extremely mature. I, I marvel at how she handled her national pre- press conferences at the NCAA tournament because, I mean, there was a lot of pressure on her. I mean, instantaneously, I think people really caught on to what she's been doing the whole year. And she did a press conference as well as I've seen anybody do it, coach or player in my entire career, and handled it with the ease, handled it with the confidence. I think her last game against Connecticut, both her and the Connecticut star were both a little bit tight. Mm -hmm. We saw a little bit more of her uh, habits come out from when we first started in in November. Right. But there's a lot of pressure because – You've asked her to, you know, we need to do points. You need to do a sense. You need to lead them. You got to go to the lead eight. So she's trying to do all that, but then also um, work with frustration because now she's facing one of the best defenses against her. So I feel like um, she's going to be nothing but better and better and better. And um, she's going to, you know, we're going to keep developing her, her weaknesses on the floor, her weaknesses as, as a leader. I mean, she's a freshman doing this. Right. So that's remarkable, and I, I couldn't be more proud, Lisa, either of her growth and our team because playing with someone like that, everybody's kind of got to give, give and take, and I, I think we started to hit our stride, and, and we're excited about really continuing to tweak things moving forward. Related to this, I don't get bogged down this bad basketball, but yeah. I'm, a, I'm a fan. I mean, obviously with the pandemic, I try to watch it on TV, which sure. you're not on TV enough. That whole thing is a separate conversation. But my impression, I, I'm watching this t- team. About January, I'm thinking, okay, this is a rebuilding year. This is a nice little team, and they're going to win half their games. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's okay. They'll, they'll be they'll be fine. And my impression is that you just got better. 
mm-hmm. better and better and better. And at the, certainly the end of the year, you sort of ran out of time. You lost mm-hmm. Canada. But is that is there any, any truth in that? Did, did something just just got yeah. better? Well, I, yeah. I, think I mean, a whole team. I mean, besides, yeah. them, I mean, everybody. Well, we felt um, we were, you could see it kind of coming. But then we would play a game and we lose by five, right? Right. And then mm-hmm. we would get close and then we'd, we'd win a team that, we should have beaten, but it was a little closer. And so, you know, there's that um, old motivational thing about the stone cutter. I don't know if you know that story, right? But yep. the, the thing was there was a stone cutter and someone was watching him and kept hitting it, hitting it. And the whole premise of it, not to bore everyone, but it, it was the 101st blow that exactly. really that broke through. So we were using that analogy um, somewhere in when we got really close. I think we lost a an overtime game, maybe it was Indiana, or lost a close one to Ohio State. They, they were ranked. And um, we just kind of kept, with a young team, there's there's a balance of which to really drive them and get on them when they, when they blow it. Because if you crush them and come down so hard, like, you know, what are we doing? We didn't do this. We didn't do that. Is they can start to believe that, well, I'm terrible. You know, we didn't do it. We couldn't do it. We're not that good. So we kind of took the angle of, you're close. You know, we didn't do that, but a lot more of the positive and to kind of keep getting them to understand you really are close, despite we were really not good at defense. And um, so we had to make our offense be as efficient as possible. And we kind of kept doing a few tweaks of the defense. Um, and that's one thing we were really analyzing. We just, we couldn't get our zone shifts where we needed them to be. I don't know if it, we tweaked it too much during the year and they got confused or um, we, we don't really have the personnel to be in your face pressure, you know, mm-hmm. player to player. So we're really analyzing, you know, where that went wrong. I think it was, uh, you know, it's always a lot what we needed to do differently, but getting them to buy into it. But for the most part, they bought into defense a little bit more during that we got it, we're close, and then they started to, to go. Right. Um, but then obviously at the NCAA tournament, Connecticut, we didn't, we didn't, yeah get that that defense but I think with young teams you got to handle them a little bit differently and um, I think we we started to kind of click it at the right time and they really started to get confident and I you know I credit obviously Lisa with the tone that we were striking too. It was impressive let me ask the questions about women's college basketball generally and hopefully after this podcast we can talk a little bit but my impression is that there's this book by Malcolm Gladwell who wrote about five six years ago called The Tipping Point Mm -hmm. that somewhere this year Women's basketball reached the tipping point. I mean, mm-hmm. partly Caitlin, frankly, mm-hmm. and, and Paige from Connecticut. Mm-hmm. That the um, it is it is um, it's it's a great sport. It's very entertaining, and fans have sort of discovered it. Mm-hmm. And it's always helpful to have some star players. I mean, it's not fair to Caitlin, maybe, but that's that helps a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that and another thing about women's basketball in the tournament, the old argument was, well, the problem is that all the favorites win. There's never an upset. Mm-hmm. It's it's boring. Mm-hmm. Well, Arizona played Stanford in the finals, you know, mm-hmm. it's a new, but things have changed. And, 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 you know, whether it's the national attention that, you know, Kaylin created Dan Patrick or mm-hmm. Kevin Durant, uh, do, you, do you understand what I'm talking about? Yeah. It, has to re- it, it just, it's, it's different. People yeah. talk about it Yeah, and I, they watch Kaylin's press conference. A lot of people watch those press conferences with Kaylin. They were, mm-hmm. and it, it's, it's an Iowa girl. I helps listen, but yeah. is that, is it true? You think we, things changed well i would like to think so i i think that the the positive of the pandemic was 
people I think could see a little bit more, there's more time to see some of the disparities that don't really necessarily need to be there, mm -hmm. right? You could, the lack of TV. Sometimes if you don't have TV, you can't really see that there's a pretty good product, right? Because you have to search it and you have to get an app and it's never on. Right. So I think that was helpful because we were, with no crowds, there were a few more times when they were plugging, even though it was weird sometimes, we had to play at 3.30, but we were on TV a little bit more, which allowed people to start talking about it and see it mm -hmm. easier. And I think if people would just stop comparing men's and women's basketball, just stop the comparisons. They're they're different. It's the same sport, but the way of which they're played. Let the men be amazing and allow the women to be amazing for how we play it. I, I think the one thing I get so frustrated about is when our women have a, a great game, or at least it has a tremendous season, right? And this is my time back at Drake, okay, way back. It's been persistent. And let's say the Drake men struggled for a game or they didn't have the success that we did. It was some kind of uh, compliment I would hear, well, Lisa should coach the men's team. When So you're slamming the men, really, mm -hmm. and they worked their tails off, and it just didn't work that year, right? And then women, so it wasn't good enough that Lisa's coaching the women's team, but she should really have a challenge to coach the men's, right? <laughs> right. It's mm -hmm. like it, it doesn't. They're two different games, so celebrate what that game is. And we're, women aren't going to dunk. Every now and then a, a female can dunk it. Stanford has one and so forth. So you don't have the power of that. So appreciate it for what it is. And I think if we can just stay there, and any of you know that are listening, if you're, let's say, whether you're a walker, right, or you're a runner still, or you like sand volleyball, if you're competitive, you want to be better the next day than you were today, right? And that's what women athletes do. They just want to be better tomorrow than they were today. And they're working really hard. They're proud to put Iowa on their jersey or Connecticut on their jersey. So if you're a sports fan, instead of dogging them and being like, well, they're slow, they can't do this or that, appreciate them for what they're doing. And, and I think when you stop comparing or stop thinking that they should be in the kitchen or they should be more feminine or they should do that is allow someone to chase a dream. You just might get excited about following them chasing their dream. And I think what we're seeing is uh, a lot more of the younger generation. Luca Garza very much bringing Caitlin along in a press conference. Luca Garza, one of his press conferences, he credited Megan for his success because when he's in the gym, he was watching Megan really work her tail off at a Mikan. That motivated him to do the same. So that guy, he doesn't have a, 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 a an ego that's scared to say that, you know, I really respected Megan. I, I, I really am thankful for her. There's too much of the male ego that thinks if they really uh, applaud a woman or, for heaven forbid, credit her, that they're less manly. And I feel like we're, we're seeing the Luca Garzas and other guys really respect women. And I'm not saying, you know, you, if you don't enjoy the women's sport, just don't um, degrade it. But I, I think that is a little bit of an issue that I would like to just have people think about. And then with our team and with women's basketball, I think having two freshman phenoms, the national media is hooking on to them because they got them for four, three more years, right? Exactly. And so it's kind of a fun thing to sell. And Caitlin is fun. Caitlin's got a personality that, that's fun to watch because she's fiery, she's confident, she can 
pass it. She can um, behind the back it. She can shoot a a 40-foot three-pointer, and you kind of believe it's going in every time. So these are people that are superstars that are really easy to kind of get behind. So I do think it is a tipping point, and I think if if, um, the general fan base will maybe commit to watching it, you know, maybe, you know, maybe buy a season ticket for whatever market you're in and say, you know what, I am going to go make a women's basketball. Um, I'm going to become a fan of that program and I'm going to sit in the stands, not just for the men. I think you really might see uh, a boom in women's basketball. Yeah, I think this year because your team got better. Mm-hmm. Yes, because Kaylin's here and the national attention, a lot of people, my, my friends, started watching. Mm-hmm. And, and what they really have said, honestly, is that the women's game is – some respects more interesting, more exciting than the men's. Not anti-men's, just yep. that it's a different game, and it's and they're very skilled. It's 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 it's. I, I it, think it tipped. That's yeah, my theory. I, I feel it did too, and I think it's great. It's different. Yeah, and so different. you can enjoy. And I understand you only have a certain mm-hmm. amount of budget that can buy tickets or so forth. But if you're if you're able to watch and video game or uh, DVR games, and if we can get more women's games on easier TV. I, I think the difference can be a, a appreciated, and, and I'm really excited about being a part of that tipping point. Yeah. Okay, one last question before we wrap up. Uh, any general advice to us people out here, some of us who are working here now, to how we can make a difference? In your- yeah, I think um, I think my big thing in, in life is, uh, is being driven by uh, an authenticity, and, you know, help and, you know, when you center is, you know, be true to who you are and live your life in an authentic way. And, um, you know, one of my big things is, you know, never, ever compromise your integrity. And I think authenticity and integrity really go, go hand in hand. And if you can live your life by kind of that, that premise every day, it helps you make decisions that, um, aren't just best for you, but are really best for um, humankind. And that really will make you sometimes, like if you see someone struggling, whether it's an entity, a group of, or someone, you know, on the street corner, it can really, I think, propel you uh, to want to make a difference. So I think, you know, the more you give, the more you get. And I just think if you can, we can build that into our day, um, giving, I think it's, it really will help make the world a better place. Well, that's why you're special. Well, thanks for being my, my best friend today. I want to thanks. tell you right now, you're number one again. You can drive yes. up the top of the list. Yes, I Tom like being Sidic's number one. Best friend. So <laughs> it's been a great time here with Jan Jensen talking about basketball and life. And uh, uh, good luck in the coming season. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Appreciate Thank you, Tom. Thanks for all you do. Thank you. Tom's new best friend is brought to you by West Bank. This Corridor Business Journal podcast is produced by Joe Coffey of Coffee Grande Studios. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at CB Journal.